Today's episode of the Film Stage Show is brought to you by Mubi, the streaming service uh, capturing the best films from across the globe. For a free 30-day trial, go to mubi.com slash filmstage. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of the Film Stage Show. As always, I'm your host, Brian J. Rowan. With me today, we have Robin Barr. Hello. We also have Bill Graham. Yeah! And with us today to count down some, uh, it's not even a countdown. It's just a, a vague, haphazard listing of some shit that we've watched this summer. It's Jordan Raup. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me, Brian. What's up? Would you like to, I mean, I assume everyone knows the, the yeah. master, but yeah, uh, would at you this like point. to introduce yourself to... <laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> yeah, it's Jordan Raup. Yeah, who the um, fuck are you? <laughs> the Blam. <laughs> my name is Jordan Raup. Uh, I am the Blam. That says it on my business card. Uh, no, uh, yeah, I found co-founded the film stage with Dan Mecca uh, some 13 years ago, I think, I'm at this point. 14 years ago, actually. Um, and now... I'm here, and that, that's it. Um, but yeah, I, that, that's about all I have to say. <laughs> all right, killer. Uh, and yeah, we uh, we're here today for a loose, unstructured, some might argue pointless episode, wherein we talk about random things that we've seen during the summer. Brian okay. might argue that, yeah. and we say "f off, Brian." <laughs> Correct. Rather we're, than we're talk just... about an actual movie that was released wide in theaters, starring Idris Elba, we have opted to talk about. Everything else. So it's August twenty first. I don't trust yeah, any Brian, movie that's come yeah. out this week. The the three thousand years of longing episode you're talking about is coming next next week. So you're good. There you go. Oh god, that movie looks so fucking bad. Anyway, uh, let's... I was actually really cruel, Jordan. <laughs> A very cruel segue. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, before we get into the nonsense, uh, the usual upfront stuff. You can find us at uh, Twitter at Film Stage Show, Facebook The Film Stage Show. You can email us podcast at filmstage.com. And uh, you can become a patron by going to patreon.com slash the film stage show. We, of course, are also brought to you by Mubi, a curated streaming service that showcases exceptional films from around the globe. Every day, Mubi premieres a brand new film from iconic directors to emerging auteurs. There is always something new to discover. With Mubi, each and every film is hand-selected. It's like your own personal film festival, streaming anytime, anywhere. Uh, The movies do leave after 30 days, but that is built in and has always been the case. So they're not just going to randomly rip some away from you like uh, other streaming services that we won't mention right now. Which is just, it's crazy that this is now spanning over two weeks where it's just like, yep, it's still happening. Every once in a mm-hmm. while, people are just noticing that some shit is disappearing. <laughs> yeah, it's, all, it's getting worse and worse every week. We'll, uh, yeah. What will be left next week? You'll have to tune in and find out. What's funny for me is that uh, someone today was talking about Killers of the Flower Moon in our Slack channel, which you can join by going to patreon.com slash show. And I was like, man, Martin Scorsese's done some TV work. Maybe I should watch uh, Boardwalk Empire, or maybe I should watch uh, Vinyl. That was a, a show that looked really cool that I never actually watched. That's one of the ones that's getting ripped off. 
is vinyl. It's not a good show. I know it's not a good show. I've heard it's not a good show, but I'm also like, yeah, I could like, you know, yeah, whatever. It's, have it's it on the you completist. I, I understand. Yeah, but, you got you know. it. Yeah. But it's just so weird that they're like, uh, yeah, vinyl. We're going to leave up how to make it in America, but vinyl's going away. Oh, man. But Mubi, on the other hand, is releasing Between Two Dawns, heralding exciting new voice in world cinema. Selma Nikar's assured debut is an intense slice of life about the power dynamics woven through a family-owned factory. Shot in the realist vein of Oscar Farhadi, Nikar brings to life the moral dilemmas of his characters with subtlety and verve. So you can check out that amongst many other great films by going to mubi.com slash filmstage for a free 30-day trial subscription. Again, that is mubi.com slash filmstage for a whole month of great cinema for free. And that's that. So now we can get into our summer retrospective grab bag random episode. And I guess we should just Jordan Raup. What's uh, I will say, can I just say one of the reasons I like the concept of the show is because we've all had lots of summer vacations, meaning that we didn't always get to cover, you know, certain movies because we couldn't, you know, make the scheduling work or whatever. So I like the idea that we can kind of go go and look back and say, here are the here are the standouts of this season in which we couldn't uh, fully maximize time the way we normally can. Wait, are we supposed to be talking about things that we've already talked about on this podcast that we liked especially or? No, just things that we couldn't otherwise get to that we might have been able to if we we had all had, you know, if we weren't all going on vacation at different times, like there would have have been uh, just more episodes that we could have devoted to different movies, I think. Yeah, and 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 because I wasn't on those previous episodes, I will shout out before I begin with my first pick, just a few that I love that you guys already covered. Mad God, great movie. Uh Crimes of the Future, Elvis. Um, I think that's about it. <laughs> which which speaks to the summer. Uh you oh, Top a fan Gun of Maverick. A I quite liked. No, no, I, I did like Top Gun Maverick quite a bit. Um that, that yeah, that was Angel very early song. summer. Yeah, uh, but yeah, it's uh, but yeah, I uh, it was yeah, it was a pretty mixed bag of a summer, which is why we're doing the scrap bag episode to kind of highlight the gems, which I, I do like. Um, guys, you remember Cha Cha Real Smooth? Because I don't, that's not a real thing that you're talking about. I refuse on my phone. There is a there is a thing called Cha Cha Real Smooth. It's not even a bad movie, it's April. Just, I don't remember it. <laughs> I mean, I, it was funny. I do remember you got we like had put it on the schedule, and then like uh, two weeks later, not a soul was talking about it. Or even like the the next day, uh, the next like Monday, it came out. And we're like, all right, let's remove this because we were going to talk about it, like two weeks later. This is going to yeah, I remember that. I was almost positive that Cha Cha Real Smooth was about like I don't know why. Don't don't ask me. How, like I never figured out why this was my initial impression of it. I thought it was about, I thought it was like a Leon the Professional kind of thing. I was almost positive that it was about like a high school aged hitman <laughs> learning to like kill with like a woman. And I don't know where that idea came from. And Because her name out, is Domino? I don't, maybe. Like, and when I found out what the movie was actually about, I was like, oh, what was I thinking of? And I, I kept expecting the movie I was thinking of to come out later in the summer and it just doesn't exist. It, I don't know where this uh, conception of mine came from. I think you're going to have to write it. Crazy. 
Obviously, yeah. I'm going to uh-huh. have to write it. Yes, it's it's going to. But it, I'm going to have to pick another line from a party song. I guess. Uh, Cotton Eye Joe. Yeah. Where did you come from? Where did you go? <laughs> it, it's uh, that that director's next movie. I think is about like a um, a mobster or something. So I'm I'm kind of curious to see what he does. With Wait, that. that kid. Yeah, Cooper Ray fits with. Um, uh, the guy from Stranger Things and uh, the guy from Liquor's Pizza, the kid, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's son, Cooper Hoffman. Interesting. Um, yeah, he's shooting it soon, I think. So it, it, at least it's a different direction from like coming of age movies. So that, that will be good. Um, hopefully. Are we I mean, I think the problem. Because it's got the guy from Liquor's Pizza. Yeah. He's still in reality, not have come of age yet. That's true. I, I guess I do not know them. We will have to find out. We'll see if Apple TV buys that for uh, $15 million as well. I just think that if you're 25 years old and making movies, you can only write coming of age stories. <laughs> like you don't have enough life experience. Why can't you write like, uh, like, uh, I don't know. Like, are we just like, is the younger generation, are they not going through like a drunken inertia period where you could at least make like a grimy kids level, like I'm high and drunk all the time and life sucks? Like, is Isn't that, that like, a coming of age story absolutely though? Absolutely not. No. It, mm. I, I, there's a movie on my list that uh, is kind of like that, that comes out next week. Um, Would you say that like train spotting is a coming of age story? not so much yeah see that's yeah. what i'm talking yeah. about. you gotta you gotta have that like, the kids is a coming of age movie have you it's seen just it? horrifying <laughs> yes it's a great movie i don't think wait all right what does coming of age movie mean to you i don't know you go through the trials and tribulations of being an adolescent and sometimes it's bad and sometimes good things happen i guess it's like the summer i left my child behind right yeah, if you're like middle class and right, but what privileged. I'm like, I think the kids and kids left their childhood behind like three years ago. Like by the time we reached them, they they're actually yeah, but they're like, kids. But they're like literally they're kids. Yes, like they're still going the through it. Title of the the movie is ironic because these kids sure don't act like kids, Robin. Okay, 1995 voiceover guy. <laughs> Anyway, our next uh, classic episode after the Legend of Tarzan will be kids. You know, I wouldn't I wouldn't hate that because I love that movie. It's a great so, movie. Joke's on you. All right. Should I kick things off? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. Well, I'm going to kick it off with actually my favorite of the summer. Um, this is Claire Denis' new film, uh, Both Sides of the Blade, formerly known as Fire. Uh, this premiered at Berlin uh, Film Festival early, early this year where she picked up Best Director and then it came out in July, on my birthday, actually. Actually, I have two movies here that came out on my birthday, which isn't fun. Uh, normally, it's utter crap because it's the middle of summer. Um, and yeah, so this is a um, melodrama starring Juliette Binoche, Vincent Lindon, uh, Gregory Collin. Um, and yeah, I got kind of a divisive or just muted response, but I, I quite liked it. Um, any Anyone that knows her work, uh, if, I feel like if you like her style, you will you will appreciate this. It's, um, it's about... Uh, uh, couple that's kind of their relationship is disintegrating when um one of her former loves comes back on the scene um and yeah just the way claire denis kind of shoots um and captures these different feelings um you know she's really great at like slowing down time and music swelling and you kind of feel like 
you know, every emotion in every part of your body. And I love, uh, there's a great scene where Benosha's character sees Gregory Collins' character at a party. And um, there's just, you know, a ton of emotion I've ever seen. Um, I don't think anyone else here has seen it, unless I'm mistaken, but um, no. I highly, highly recommend it. I believe it comes out on VOD um, soon. Um, it's a very kind of uncomfortable, devastating movie in some ways, but in other ways, I think it's really, really beautiful work. Um, and Is yeah, it a drama? So, I think it's yeah. already out on on... What is it? VOD. Yeah, I know. I think it, I think it actually was yeah this like a few days ago. I think it came out or the, or this week. Um, yeah, it's like I would say like, like a melodrama. Yeah, okay. it's uh, it's like a love triangle, and I think people see that as being kind of simplistic. But I think it, with Clarence's style, it's uh, there's just so many great details peppered throughout every every frame of it. So highly recommend when uh, when it comes to you. And yeah, I, I will quickly say it, it also. Um, kind of like when she was waiting to make high life um she was ma- waiting to make uh, and she made let's let the sunshine in with julia Binoche. this is kind of a similar situation where she was waiting to make uh denis uh Den- or dennis johnson's um uh, stars a new adaptation which she did end up making and i think will come out later this year um but that was um so this was kind of like on the cuff she just kind of got a small cast of crew together and shot it um and i kind of ended up liking those movies better than you know high life was okay but i really love let the sunshine in and i think we'll see i haven't seen stars at noon yet but i'm curious if this is a similar thing where the smaller kind of quick movie is more interesting to me than the kind of bigger scope one that she was planning for years so we will see but yeah highly recommend i feel like there's no other working french actress except Juliette Pinoche right now <laughs> like it's like no, yo is, there's Isabel gonna be a French just just yeah. kind of no, no yeah no I know she is like killing it so uh it's it's great to see but yeah um she's she's amazing in this so yeah it, it looks it like it's can. available on voodoo right now okay yes go seek it out cool all right all right Bill Graham my turn. Uh, I guess I'll start with RRR, uh, which made a ton of waves during the summer, um, maybe even a little bit before. Um, I had heard uh, during this brief theatrical release in uh, in the native language uh, that it was Delago. really... Uh, Telugu, yeah. Uh, in that language, that it was really, really uh, fantastic. And of course, as soon as it was, you know, a limited release and people were like, hey, this is great, you know, after the fact, it's like, okay, let me see if it's playing. No. Never mind. It's not playing anywhere near me. So uh, I had to seek it out like many others on Netflix, which uh, unfortunately means that it is dubbed in Hindi, which, um, you know, a lot of people would be like, wait, what? It's dubbed in a in another foreign language. Uh, that doesn't make any sense. Well, that's because, uh, you know, uh, Tollywood versus Bollywood is definitely a thing over in India. Um if you want to do a lot of research on your own, feel free. Uh, I'm not going to get into this because uh, there's just too much to talk about this film and also give you like a history lesson about Tollywood versus Bollywood and India versus India. Uh, the film, uh, you know, creators over there. Uh, regardless, though, this is a three hour movie. And if you know me at all, you know that that would be strike one. Uh in fact, it is actually uh, star number one for me. Um, this movie could be four hours and I would still love the fuck out of it. Um, it's got everything. It's got a ton of crazy action. The action is so 
over the top and absurd that it actually kind of makes sense. Um, there's there's like a a suspension of disbelief or whatever the fuck that phrase is um, that you give it because it's just bananas. But the way that they situate themselves, the way they do things actually makes it look absurd, but also believable at the same time. It's this very weird dynamic that happens multiple times throughout this film where people are like being pushed and then bumped and then he's reloading and he's being bumped against something to reload again. And you're just like, this doesn't work, but I see what's actually happening. And so, yeah, it, it's, I, I would say it's almost like watching, uh, the, the great original Transformers movie by, uh, one Michael Bay and seeing the Transformers transform. And you're like, wow, that's amazing. I don't know what the fuck just happened, but it looks like it makes sense. It looks like someone put in a lot of effort and energy and like, you know, thought into them transforming. You're like, I guess those parts move where they're supposed to move. And yeah, that fucking works for me. And that's what this film is kind of in its action scenes. You just look at it and you go, okay, sure. Um, and that's not even the half of this film. There is a bromance at the center of it. That's just one of the best things on film this year. Um, there's a dance sequence, which is just absolutely exquisite. Uh, cha-cha real smooth, eat your heart out. Um, (laughs) and you know, I, I think what's interesting is that the, few negatives that have been kind of lobbed at this are actually from, you know, people that know India as a culture, maybe they're Indian themselves or from, or, you know, from and around that area or just have studied that, that area. Um, I'll, you know, quietly say, I don't know what the fuck is going on over there, but the accusations seem to kind of stem around from, uh, nationalism and things like that. That's very much a thing going on over there right now. That being said, we can't be on this podcast praising Top Gun Maverick and then not say how wonderfully absurd this film is as well because both of those things are kind of hand in hand so i think if you accept one then you you don't have to accept one or the other i mean i feel like sure you can you can make an exception there but i feel like it has to be said that like top gun maverick is one of the feel-good summer movies And I don't see why this one can't be as well with the understanding that there is some nationalism there. There is some kind of, you know, ugly, ugly uh, things happening behind the scenes. Um, So uh, but yeah, three hours and I fucking loved it. So I don't know what what else to say. Uh, This film is is a wild ride. What's the plot? plot oh my god why would you ask me that um there is a little girl that is uh kidnapped from her uh from her village uh by some british national uh british kind of colonists right um and along that journey a uh kind of a tracker a a key figure in her tribe is sent to kind of track her down and bring her back. Right. Um, 
he's kind of a mythical figure. He's basically got superpowers in a way. He's just he's just a relentless pursuit uh, person. Uh, and he kind of runs into someone that also from his own other tribe uh, has a um, a goal of trying to bring back weaponry to his own village and along that pursuit he's also kind of undercover a little bit um there is there is a lot going on here um they end up being friends without realizing that they're actually uh on opposing sides um at least initially and then it just kind of takes off from there that i mean that's even describing that that gets you to maybe the hour hour 20 mark so you still got another hour and a half to go so it's Um, a period piece Yes, yeah, very yeah, much a period. Yeah. yeah, set in 1920, which which just makes all the ridiculous action set pieces even more like over the top. You're just like, oh, okay, like Kingsman over the top. Uh, yeah, in a way, um, I would say Kingsman is a lot more, um, a lot less. Actually, Kingsman is a lot less absurd. I haven't seen the latest Kingsman, but the first one is actually a lot less absurd than this one. This one, just the set pieces alone, there's a few. There's one that starts to, or is early on in the film that happens on a bridge uh, involving horses and motorcycles um, and a train. Uh, <laughs> that is absolutely absurd. That just makes things, you know... It, it, it just makes you look at something like, I don't know, ambulance and go, OK, not even not even trying to be better, you know, like just absurdly over the top. So, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, just, I saw it as well. I agree. I, I did love it. Um, I think, you know, it's like like Bill said, like pure maximalist bombastic filmmaking at its best. Um I will say though, Top Gun in, t- in terms of national movies <laughs> about nationalism, Top Gun might even take the cake for uh, being pro America. Sure. Um, but yeah, um, but yeah, the it, it's more I think with this movie, like you do fall in love with the character so much that even through this like insane insane set pieces, because like when you're looking at even the trailer, something it kind of seems like oh, it's kind of CGI heavy and like how am I how am I going to feel connected to what's going on? But there is this like language that from the first kind of set piece that um, the director. Um, kind of lays out that you you kind of start to believe everything then after that which is really smart way to do it um but yeah it it was it was a really really entertaining film certainly like the best blockbuster by like miles and miles this year so um yeah highly recommend all right round bar cool um i guess i'll start with probably one of my um more favored movies of the summer maybe one of my favorite movies of the summer which is uh, marcel the shell with shoes on i don't know if folks are familiar um with this character, it's based on a YouTube video that I think came out like 12 years ago or something, kind of right during that heyday of, of YouTube virality. Uh, and it's a, a character that I think was created by Dean Fleischer Camp and Jenny Slate and voiced by Jenny Slate. And it's really just like a tiny shell with googly eyes and some like Barbie sneakers on, uh, all kind of glued together in a and animated via stop motion. And so this character you know, had some like cute sayings and had a little cute little high voice. And of course it, you know, went crazy on, on YouTube. And I remember watching it a few times cause it was, it was slyly funny. And 
you know, so I kind of came into this feature length thinking, okay, like, what are they going to get out of this, uh, you know, five minute video and how are they going to actually create a narrative around this? And it really works. Um, you know, I, I do like movies like Pixar or at least early Pixar. Um, so it has some of that, you know, uh, poignancy you know the the deeper poignancy of say like a lot of pixar films although now i think it's i think pixar has definitely uh found a formula with that that i don't dig but it 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 is able to capture i think the cleverness of of the original um of the original series or the original like you know clips of this tiny miniature character and kind of setting it into a, a larger universe. So it's basically about this little shell dude who, you know, like I said, has googly eyes and, and tiny shoes. <laughs> and he lives in a big house, <laughs> um, like an Airbnb, essentially, and has been able to configure his surroundings to be able to be a tiny thing living in a big house. Um, and I enjoyed the cleverness of those set pieces, like, uh, you know, how a how a bean is absolutely gigantic to this, this character. And so it reminded me a lot of, you know, being a, like a miniature enthusiast or a dollhouse enthusiast and how, you know, when I was a little kid, I would just find like the littlest, um, the littlest object. And that object would be totally created in a different way inside my dollhouse. Um, and I, and I enjoyed the the sort of creativity of that. And so it's, it's really expanded in this universe. So a lot of the, a lot of the jokes of this movie are like, you know, a piece of lint kind of having, um, you know, an impact on this character or his grandmother, like who's also a shell played by Isabella Rossellini uh, getting lost in a, in a, you know, laundry room and just all these like little, little things that were just generally amusing, but it's also set against a narrative, a larger narrative about um, separated families and just kind of learning to live in solitude and just all these like existential things that I never would have expected a film like this to also kind of reach and, and touch. Um, so I just enjoyed it. And my husband, who's also very allergic to sentimentality in some ways, just loved this movie too. So I think that's, it really showed me that even though it's sort of like twee on its surface, um, it's actually, you know, it, it has a, a slyness to it. Um, a subtlety to it that just goes beyond, you know, just like wink, wink. Um, so I just really enjoyed it. And I wish that, you know, the Oscars or any of these big award shows had awards for voice acting because I thought Isabella Rossellini was so good in this role playing this um, grandmother going, you know, through the end stages of life. And she just brought so much warmth um, to, to that, you know, voice acting. It just, you know, it all, it all just comes together for me. And I, I really enjoyed it. I, I read an interview with the directors. They said, I think they were inspired by um, Terrence Malick for the cinematography. I'm curious. Is that, do you see that at all? <laughs> oh, I could definitely I, see that. Yeah. Okay. I, it, because there's a sort of, I don't know, a wispiness <laughs> to it all. Um, and I, I enjoyed the cinematography specifically because it's, I know this for a fact, it's really hard to shoot small things. Um, you, yes. you really have to like, know what you're doing with the camera and the lighting to be able to capture all those little details. And so that really worked for me. 
And I love stop motion. So that's like a whole, you know, a whole other I mean, I guess the workaround is you make a tiny camera and then tiny lights and tiny boom mics and <laughs> stuff like that. You know, that might make it a little bit easier. But yeah, I'm sure it is incredibly difficult to light something far away and then have to figure out the logistics of, wait, I need to move my lighting a lot closer to kind of light this one small thing. And yeah. That's that's interesting to think about. But yeah, I mean, anybody that's taken a photo, you know, tried to take like a macro photo with their iPhone or whatever probably can relate to. Oh, fuck. Like it is it is not easy to, you know, everything's going to be in soft focus in the background, usually. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I thought they did a good job with this. And it it to me, it goes beyond. Like, I know I made that Pixar reference, I think, because that keeps coming up. But it's to me, it's more like Miyazaki than than Pixar's mm. in terms of that um, emotionality. All right, I'm sold. Cool. <laughs> All right, who's next? Um, I guess I'll go. Uh, yesterday, I went out and I saw Beast, uh, the new film with Idris Elba and Charlotte Copley, who's still alive. I don't remember the last time I saw him in anything. Um, it's a, a movie about uh, a man whose wife passes away and he and his mostly estranged daughters go to South Africa and um, are beset upon by a lion. Um, and it's uh, it's really good. It's a, it's a really great movie. I enjoyed the hell out of it. I think... Um, in, in, in a vehicle, right? I mean, it's all over the place. Like, it's... Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. They, so th- they are this in a is not initially, but there is. Okay. You know. This is this is not necessarily Cujo. No. Okay. Or Ghost in the Darkness. It's definitely not <laughs> Ghost in the Darkness because it doesn't involve Val Kilmer trying to build a bridge. Um. Or. or to uh, our hearts. What's his What's his fucking name? <laughs> Michael Douglas showing up seemingly drunk. Um, I do love Ghost in the Darkness though. That's a formative movie from my childhood. Um. But yeah, it's it's a really good movie. Uh, Balthazar Komakar, who directed it, uh, who I believe also did Everest and a couple other things that I I don't know if we've talked. Two about. guns. Yeah, I didn't see two guns. Um, <laughs> really brings a lot of style to it. Um, you wouldn't know it from the trailer, but most of the movie is shot in these very intricate, very intimate uh, single takes um, that are not ostentatious. You know, there you you kind of don't realize what's happening until. You're like, oh shit, we haven't really cut away in a while. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I really had a lot of fun. Seeing it in theater was great, especially because I was seeing it with a bunch of other people who wanted to see such a movie on opening weekend, which means they were all very vocal about their feelings about what the characters are doing at any given moment. And um, it was awesome. Yes. So Is, that's, what, in, in, in the level of uh, The Shallows and Crawl, what it, how does this stack up? I think it's more Crawl than the shallows like it's a little more pulpy i think what's interesting about this movie because i i love i you know i i love a a a person with uh trauma unresolved emotional issues basically getting attacked by an apex predator predator as a form of therapy um i'm thinking like the edge uh, you know, the shallows, uh, the fucking, the gray is like one of the, the greatest movies I've ever seen. Um, 
And yeah, this movie has that, but it also involves like other people. So it's like a family coming together thing, which crawl gets the closest to. Gotcha. Um, and it's also, I would say it's, it's probably pulpier than I was expecting, but not in a bad way. And the, you know, in any of these movies, there's like that. Okay. Like, you know, it's, we can't avoid this anymore. It's time to like go fight head on. And this probably has the best version of that that someone could hope for. Nice. Yeah, I am I am curious about it. I heard I have read some reviews where they say you end up kind of feeling more for the beast than <laughs> the actors. Is that true? I think that one of the one of the I will I won't it's kind of weird to say this. I think one of the problems with modern like movies in general is how afraid they are of, of being yelled at by scolds. Um, one of the reasons I would have loved to have talked about this movie in full is like, I remember writing a review for the gray when it came out for my personal site and it, my comment section was fucking alight with a bunch of weird wolf activists wolves don't act this way did you know they actually killed real wolves for this movie which i don't think is true um if they did they would have gotten more realistic looking wolves but that's unimportant (laughs) i think that i think that like too often modern movies make a lot of excuses because they know that like shitty scolds on the internet are gonna be like that's not how they do we shouldn't be vilifying creatures like this you know like they're gonna bring up that like People killed a lot of sharks after Jaws came out because they were afraid of them. But like, who gives a fuck? We're making a fun movie. So the movie goes out of its way to explain why a male lion would suddenly turn into a fucking murderer, um, which is fine. Um, It it, it does it by bringing up (laughs) – it really – I'm going to tie this into a movie that I'm almost positive none of us saw or want to talk about, where the crawdads sing. Well, my friends were telling me Correct. that they enjoyed it last night. So Matt, I might watch it. Yeah, but it's not on any of our lists, right? Like none of us have seen no. it. But so apparently the author of that movie is wanted for murder. Mm-hmm. Because yes. it yep. is a possibility that her and her husband may have killed poachers. And yep. uh, that's there's a there's a there's a like C plot in this movie. About I, I see it. I see a tie in. Yeah. Yeah. Beast so, two and cro- where the crowd likes to sing to. Yeah, so like I was watching the movie, I was like, oh, the shit, are they gonna, is this going to be that? And yeah, that is that. So like, you know, there's poachers, there's an anti-poacher who's like maybe murdered a couple of poachers. Um, but yeah, they really go out of their way to to make this lion seem like he's uh, honestly like the Punisher. But like, you <laughs> oh know. What does that mean? What do you, do you know what the Punisher is? Um, A blind. No, no that's mm. Daredevil. Okay. <laughs> the Punisher. Yeah is a cop whose family is murdered. And then he, he basically just becomes like a right wing power fantasy where he gets a bunch of guns and just murders people. Um, usually criminals, <laughs> but yeah. So this lion is just like, he, he, I don't know if this, do, it doesn't fucking matter. We're not going to talk about it. He, his entire pride is slaughtered. He escapes. And then anytime he sees a human being, just needs to fucking kill it. Um, Triggered. There you go. That's some good backstory right there. Yeah. So like he's got his trauma. Idris has his trauma. 
there's a lot going on. There, there's uh, no reconciling. <laughs> but it and and it, it yeah, the, it it ends in a way. It's one of those movies where like every, and this is one of the reasons I love these these movies where like, you know, a person fights an animal in like some sort of like dire situation is because everything must essentially tie back in. So like, you know, the whale carcass in the shallows, the um everything that Anthony Hopkins knows in the edge, it all has to come in. And this one is how territorial lions can be. So you find that out early in the movie and you're like, oh, okay. At some point, like there's going to be lion on lion action. <laughs> so, <laughs> but like, yeah, you, you watch it. It's, it's really fun. The people in the theater fucking loved it. I had forgotten, like I've been back to the theaters a lot. Um, I feel like the only time I had this much fun in a theater was when I saw a uh, quiet place part two. Like a lot of other movies I've seen in theaters have just been kind of like dead air, like the Batman, like no one even fucking coughed during that movie. Um, And in this movie, I was just surrounded by people who were just screaming at the screen and it was great. Like if you ever want to hear a middle-aged woman scream, bitch, get back in the car at a woman, at at a teenage girl on a movie theater screen, go see Beast. Nice. That is what you want. I'm I'm happy that there's like a late August movie that ha- like satisfies. I feel like it's very hit or but miss. I feel like, I, I, well, like it's every year we've gotten one of these. Like I no, know, no, maybe not I mean, the like, last like, two years, yeah, but like yeah. you know, this no, used to be I'm my glad, favorite I, yeah. time of the year for movies because I knew we were finally getting out of the bullshit action and like half-heartedly released independent films of summer. And before mm-hmm. we got to the drag that is Oscar season, we like had the opportunity <laughs> to get like one cool original programmer gem that is usually anchored by a cb or in this case an a-lister i don't know is i think idris, idris is an a-lister I, when I think yeah i mean someone said he's the, he's the best actor that makes the worst movies which i would agree yeah i think like, he's <laughs> he's you know he, he's fucking fantastic he's incredible but yeah i think that some of his choices have been bad but this movie utilizes him really well that's good. So yeah, I like this is this the August and I would say like February, March are what I live for in terms of movies <laughs> now. Every other fucking month Jesus is a Christ. nightmare. <laughs> how I, how I, are I, you a real person? I don't understand the question. <laughs> I don't either. But I'm glad you enjoyed your Lion's Revenge movie. I didn't think it was gonna be a Lion's Revenge movie, and I was like, oh, this lion deserves some revenge. <laughs> But like, but you know, we're it, not on the lion side, so that makes it disturbing. I think that there are times in this movie when you'll be on the lion side, and you will kind of say like, "Oh, but like you're taking it too far," you know? Like it's the lion is a very morally complex character, and I think one of the things that's interesting about the movie is again its attempt to thread that needle. Like in the Ghost in the Darkness, and you know, it's based on a true story. Like how much of it? How much of what we've gotten? And what we've been told about that story is actually true. You know, you can debate about. But the weird thing about that story was that these like two male lions were hunting together and were fucking just killing a bunch of people for seemingly no reason. And like, it's clear that that's what Beast would like to be doing, but that it's aware that it can't get away with doing that nowadays. So it has to give the lion a backstory. (laughs) 
Nice. Yeah, I will. Like, I will yeah. probably seek it out when it arrives on VOD. I'm sorry. I, I legitimately, <laughs> I think you should go and find time to see it in a theater. I like. I just can't. I can't imagine it's going to play as well at home. You know. And I say True. this as a person. Yeah. I own a Blu-ray of The Gray. I own yeah. The Shallows on digital, so that like it can't be stolen from me, probably. But like, you know, every one of these movies I see in theaters first, because part of the fun of actually like then watching it at home is remembering what it was like in the theater. Like, in fact, Scott Weinberg, I think um, a critic on Twitter said something along the lines of like, hey, like, why isn't Beast being released in 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 on streaming? Like, that's what streaming was made for. And I, I actually sent him a reply and I was like, I don't know what exactly you're talking about because like the shallows and the gray and crawl are some of my favorite theater experiences just like full stop. Like I'd rather see them in the theater than like any Marvel film where everyone just has a sense of oh, yeah. like jury duty resignation. <laughs> and yeah, his response to me. Yeah. Yeah, I said, wait a second. Yeah, he said, wait a second. That Idris versus Lion movie is theatrical only. Come on, movies like that are why streaming exists. And there's not a knock. I love animal attack movies. And I said, Craw in the Shallows ripped in theaters. I would almost rather see Beast in theaters than anything else. And then he said, who needs your good points in logic? So, you know, right. I don't know. I like, you know, I, 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 I made time even knowing we weren't going to review it to go and see beast in theaters because also like as stupid as it sounds like it's a fucking original movie. It's got a great actor and it actually, you know, I don't know who you, what people think of Charlotte Copley, you know, your mileage may vary. I was surprised he was still acting, but he's, he's good in the movie. I actually really liked him. He had a couple of scenes where he had to like play emotions beyond just yeah. crazy South African. And he really rocked it. Um, yeah, so yeah as of late, I feel like yeah, he's so better I, supporting actor side. Yeah. Oh, he's he's great as a supporting actor. So like, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Like I like I said to to Weinberg and and here, I'd rather see this than the Batman. Like yeah, you know, it's just it's it's yeah. I I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. Nice. Um, all right, I will jump to my next one. Um, so this is um, Terrence Davies' latest film, Benediction. Um, Brian, actually, I think you might dig this one. Um, this is a uh, about a World War One poet, uh, Siegfried Sassoon, who, oh, I, I should say this, he was in World War One and then um, also wrote poetry um, about the horrors of war. Um, and he he was also gay, which is takes an interesting angle on the movie uh, or on on his life because, uh, like Terrence Davies has done before, he really subverts uh, the biopic kind of genre here. Um, you see Jack Loudon from um, Dunkirk plays the younger version of him. And then Peter Capaldi plays the older version. Um, and you kind of see um, just in, in really beautiful, poignant ways, kind of um, kind of a life that was uh, like a, he, he got married and kind of led a completely false life of who he really was. Um, and uh, but the way Davis kind of captures them isn't, isn't really in these kind of conventional ways you might think. It's all it's a lot of. Um, just different conversation sequences that um, Davies has so much fun, you know, clearly writing and then seeing acted out. But um, there's a, a really fun sense of um, he has a really fun sense with the dialogue here, um, especially in like the early days before, uh, you know, as uh, composed as opposed to the, you know, when Capaldi's on screen. Um, and yeah, I think it's a really um, I wouldn't say it's not, you know, I really liked a quiet passion his last film and a sunset song before that, but this one doesn't quite hit those high marks, but I think it's a really, really beautiful movie and um 
he weaves in a lot of archival footage from World War One um, in interesting ways with the kind of overlay with the poetry. Um, and yeah, I think a movie like this, you know, with just a logline can kind of seem like dull, but I think Davis in injects a lot of his own personality. I mean, it's almost, an, I mean, obviously he wasn't a World War One poet, but there's a lot of autobiographical um, elements from his own life. Um, he was like raised Catholic and then um, completely like abandoned it and um, kind of, yeah, there's some... Um, crossover there with this character and yeah i just i i really love this movie it came out and like like when the other movie i brought uh, brought up it kind of got a pretty quiet release and kind of went away but I, it is on vod now so um highly recommend checking it out uh if you like terrence davies work you would really like it um and yeah i think it's also i believe since his like early, really really early short films um it's his first like explicitly gay movie and in a sense like the character at the center is gay and there's like if you see any of his other movies there's like that subtext woven in but this is the one where it's um he's clearly you know able to kind of put everything out front, front and center which makes it interesting um to hear you know his voice and clearly having a lot of fun with it so um yeah uh it's good i don't think anyone else has seen it but <laughs> i highly recommend i haven't but i've heard good things even beyond what you just shared Nice. Yeah. It uh played at TIFF, I think, last year and then came, yeah, it came out, I think, in uh July, early July, early June. Um, but yeah, now it's on VOD to be watched. I think it's one of those it has one of those titles that could be any movie of the last 10 yeah. years. Like it's I've just not already forgotten yeah. what the title is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, benediction, yeah. No, 100%, I hear that yeah. I'm just like, oh right, that's the one about the Jewish lesbians, right? Like Right, right, right exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, don't no, disagree. No, it's the one about the kid coming of age. Like, no, it's about the nun who is a lesbian. Oh yeah, no, it's about the rower. I like, yeah, Ben. That's a very important. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Too bad. Sorry. Next, hopefully, better better luck next time, Terrence Davies for the title. But uh, but yeah, hire a marketing company, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, but yeah, recommend. So nice. Right, Bill Graham. Uh, so I guess my next one is going to be bullet train. This one's going to be pretty quick, um, because I was kind of mixed on this. Um, so, you know, if you like David Leach, who, uh, you know, co-directed, yeah, maybe, um, <laughs> the first John Wick, um, it, with uh chad stahelski but since has kind of you know sparked off and and done his own things uh which include atomic blonde and uh deadpool 2 and then of course the uh real bad real mixed uh hobbs and shaw which uh stars you know uh idris elba there you go um but yeah he's had kind of a sketchier track track record than uh chad stahelski his uh former co-director um and i think this one you know looking at brad pitt being a star um i think you're like oh and then you see all the cast of this film and you're like oh okay this has got to be pretty good right and it's okay it's very if if you want that quintessential dumb summer action 
movie. This one's got it. But at the center of it, and really the reason I want to talk about it is because at the center of it, there is a relationship between two brother figures um, that are Tangerine and I believe Lemon. And uh, they are played those by... Those are their names. Yes. Uh, th- those are their... their uh, Character names? Uh, yeah, yeah kind of maybe who knows uh i'm not gonna say yes or no to that i don't know enough uh we'll just say they are definitely their nicknames uh all of the the assassins on this train have have various nicknames i guess i'll set up the plot real quick uh brad pitt is a assassin and he is hired to pick up a briefcase and then take it off the train it's on a bullet train bullet train in japan uh he grabs the suitcase and uh shenanigans ensue because all other sorts of people have different other machinations for that briefcase as well which is loaded with money and has a lot of other things going on with it um but it's kind of in that john wick vein where you're like holy shit there is a lot of assassins um just suddenly on this one bullet train and nobody else seems all that concerned about it um so anyways uh aaron taylor johnson plays tangerine he's got a really bad british accent but that's okay isn't he british yeah i thought he was british he's playing it up quite a bit i feel he's doing cockney but yes um anyways uh and brian tyree henry is playing lemon uh his brother obviously if you uh are familiar with these two people you will notice that one is black and one is white uh that's okay the story deals with that later on um but uh they are two assassins that have a very very interesting relationship friendship uh brothers bond thing going on uh that's kind of to me the heart and soul of this film uh the film really kind of i think works or dies based on that relationship um and i found them to be really fascinating there is a running gag about thomas the tank engine uh in this film that is uh quite hilarious and and very uh makes you want to revisit thomas the tank engine uh which is not something i ever thought i would ever say in my life um so yeah uh this film considering it is an 87 11 film which is uh stahelski and uh uh what's his name uh leech's like action film company their their stunt uh, choreography company um the action is good but it's not great it, this is not john wick so if you're looking for that mm, tamper your expectations but definitely tune in for uh the relationship there this movie sounds so exhausting to me it's also like two <laughs> it's so hours. exhausing <laughs> that i fell asleep watching it oh, it's, it's yeah, two it's, hours uh, it's two hours yeah. They need to, I, I mean, I know John Wick was a hit and I know the sequels are great and fun, but they, I, I feel like their time in Hollywood might be winding down uh, we'll <laughs> in the next few years. I don't know. It just, well, it feels like I mean, it, the, yeah. the, uh, Stahelski has had a very good career. Oh, no, 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 I know, just, I know, I know. Is just yeah. not, not found his groove, I don't think. He's jumped from thing to thing to thing and not really found his next thing. Yeah. So, yeah, it's interesting. 
Yeah, a movie I definitely wanted to like more, but ultimately just it 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 did not have enough going on um, to actually really sink your teeth into it. I, I really liked Aaron Taylor Johnson, so I agree with you on that one. But it just to me, like every joke felt flat. And you're right. The action was just not that good. And the story is just not good. Like interesting concept, bad story. So it, it, it does feel like a ripoff of Tarantino, of, oh, of all these other kind ripoff. of tongue in cheek, like hyper violent, kind of mm-hmm. over the top. Everybody's smarmy kind of. Yes. Kind of things. <laughs> yeah. So. A very oily movie for sure. Um, yeah, I guess I'll I'll go next. Is that cool? Yeah. All right. Uh, so my next choice is actually uh, the reboot of Father of the Bride. Um, so I am I'm not that familiar with the original film, which came out in the 50s and starred, you know, Elizabeth Taylor. And um, uh, oh, my God, what's his name? Spencer Tracy. Uh, so I have not seen that one. But the but the Steve Martin, Father of the Bride films from the 90s, of course, because I grew up in the 90s, um, you know, were big, big parts of my childhood. And I especially love Father of the Bride Part Two. It's one of my favorite movies. So uh, I was apprehensive about a reboot because, you know, I'm holding on to my nostalgia. Uh, But at the same time, I was looking forward to it because it's a story that I just think is very classic. And that's basically, you know, straight up about a kind of like well-to-do dad whose very young daughter who he perceives as very young uh decides to get married and he has lots of feelings about that and and apprehensions and anxieties and neuroses etc so uh this film is i thought just pretty delightful um it's what we think of as like a i don't know a a, a reboot but also you know, instead of just featuring like a, a white family, it's actually about a, a Cuban American family that lives in Miami. Um, and the jokes are pretty, you know, culturally specific, but not to the point where I felt like I, I didn't understand what was going on. And even if there were things that I quote unquote, didn't understand, like it still kind of works. Like I accept, you know, that there are, um, you know, things that I'm just not really going to get all of the the nuance about, but I'm not, you know, I'm not the only audience who is going to be watching this. Um, it's, I think it's for a diverse audience. Um, and it, it stars Andy Garcia, Gloria Estefan, um, and, you know, some other folks, including Chloe Feynman, who I think is on SNL. Um, and what I really liked about this movie is that it, it takes a very classic story. It translates it to modern times, you know, modern, modern, um, you know, issues. It's not solely just about, a father being upset, his you know young daughter is getting married to somebody that he doesn't accept. There's a there's cross sort of like class issues that come up uh, because she's she happens to be marrying somebody who's uh, far wealthier than this 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 gentleman um, who is also like you know a, a rich dude to begin with. Um, so you know him being sort of a. a a self-made big, a big shot, so to speak, you know, who quote unquote has the narrative of, of having picked himself up by his bootstraps, et cetera. And then of course he meets his uh, daughter's new in-laws and they're just like billionaires from Mexico and it takes a completely different turn. So I, I enjoyed the comedy aspect. It's um, it also is about a couple, like it, it takes the kind of elements of the original films and kind of builds up those characters. So like, instead of, you know, a, a Diane Keaton just kind of being a wife character, which is uh, kind of happens in the Steve Martin films. They actually have Gloria Estefan 
or Stefan playing a wife who's kind of fed up with her husband's bullshit and is actually trying to divorce him at the same time that his daughter is trying to plan this wedding. And that, uh, you know, makes him reconsider his whole life as his daughter is now going through, uh, you know, the starting the next stages of her life. So it just, it really works as a reboot because it, it takes those very essential elements and it just fills it up with uh, so many different things that we haven't seen before in this particular franchise. And I just had a really good time. And I think I'm not the biggest fan of romantic comedies to begin with. So something like this, when I really enjoy it, I just really enjoy it. And it definitely goes out of its way um, to, to be a, a crowd pleaser, I think. And so you, you said you hadn't seen the original. I have never seen the original from the fifties with Elizabeth Taylor. So that's something I'll probably watch it at some other point in my life, but I've never seen that one. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I've seen the Steve Martin ones like billion times. <laughs> okay. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. And it's on HBO max, I think still possibly. Yeah. I think this one was a hit actually. So I think it's staying on for good. We'll see. Maybe if it dwindles, if the viewership dwindles in a year, it'll be, it'll be cut, but we'll see. And I know it may sound random, but I actually know a lot of people who are very into the Steve Martin, uh, you know, versions of this franchise. So like, the, you know, I think many, many people who are probably women like me, uh, were feeling nervous about it, but I, I just think it was like a great, you know, a great new entry into this, you know, story. That's pretty classic. Nice. Yeah. The, the Steve Martin ones were such a hit that I feel like this is one of those movies where like it came out and I feel like people talked about it for a little bit and it went away, but I, I wonder if it had like that theatrical component of, feels like it could have made money. I don't know. It feels like there's enough of a fan base, but um, I'm curious. Yeah. It seems like a fun watch. Yeah, I think so. I feel like I know more people who've seen father of the bride two than father of the bride. It's a thing. It's <laughs> yeah, like the yeah. second one is a much, much better film. I've, I've legitimately <laughs> only seen the second one. Yeah. It's just a much more interesting movie. I mean, the first one, you're just kind of like, everybody is a bland kind of wasp character and you don't really get why this guy is so upset that his daughter is getting married. And the second one, you can at least understand some of the anxieties because he's a man in his fifties whose wife is pregnant at the same time his daughter is pregnant. And like that has a lot more comic potential and, you know, narrative potential. Says All right. I. All right. Jordan. Um, all right. Um, so my next film, um, this is when I saw it Sundance actually that came out. So Lena Dunham, everyone's favorite on this podcast. No. Uh, mm, dra- I love her. I also, Bill Graham. I also love her. I as love well. her. Um, Bill Graham. This, I'll be short. Bill I'll Graham. be short. Um, Stop this, it. Uh, Bill Graham. I also, yeah, I, I, uh, I did love girls and, um, Me and too. yes. And so, um, yeah, so this is her first movie. She actually directed, uh, since Tiny Furniture, her kind of breakout at South by Southwest. So yeah, this is Sharpstick. Um, Did you like it, Tiny Furniture though? Not. It was. It was okay. It was. Yeah. Uh, yeah it, it was a good calling card, but not. You know, I think Girls is f- far more interesting. Um, and Same. I yeah. Um, so yeah. So yeah. Sharpstick. I, did you see it? Um, I I want to see it. Okay. Um, yeah. So this um, this is a movie. It follows a. Um, a mid twenties woman who is babysitting for um, in Hollywood, babysitting for a family and um, uh, babysitting a boy that has down syndrome. And uh, she begins to have an affair with uh, 
the boy's father played by um, John Bernthal, who is amazing in this movie. Um, and he, uh, yeah, she wants to lose her virginity. And so um, spoiler does so. And then it kind of gets crazier and crazier from there. Um, and yeah, so I, I will preface this by saying I did watch this during Sundance when I watched, I think almost 50, 50 films and they were all kind of cookie cutter and, uh, very like morally correct. And so to see a movie, hmm. uh, that is like the, you know, just open to pushing buttons, but I think there is some, there's some really good authentic, authentic, um, you know, things in this film. It's not just trying to push buttons, but I do think there's, uh, it was just exciting to see a movie that kind of, uh, is uncomfortable and yes, messy, but like just goes for things that you don't see in kind of American independent cinema at the moment. Um, and so, yeah, I, uh, it's not afraid about discussing sex in many, many different ways. Um, you have Scott Speedman as well as a porn star in a very funny, um, supporting role. Um, <laughs> the, the main woman, he's, who, he's think, been around lately. The year of Speedman. Well, yeah. Crime, yeah. crime's the future in this. Yeah. Um, there you very go. yeah, <laughs> I'm all for that. Um, and then, yeah. So, uh, Christine Froseth is the lead who I'd not seen in anything before. I think she's kind of a newcomer, but, um, she has this kind of strange family dynamic between, um, her mom, Jennifer Jason Lee, and then Taylor page. Um, and there's, and both of them are great in it. Um, and yeah, it's just one of those movies where, yes, 100% can see why someone would absolutely hate it. Um, I, I know I can see why it was divisive, but it just, it, I think it's, there's a lot more interesting stuff going on in it than kind of people gave it credit for. And um, yeah, it's, I, I think, you know, I can see why, you know, I might not be doing as well, you know, at the box office, it's clearly one of those movies that you might just want to take on, take a chance on when you can watch for free or like on a streaming service. But uh, when it comes around that way, I definitely recommend it. Um, and especially, I mean, if you liked girls, um, uh, definitely worth seeking out. And it's actually crazy. She So she made this movie in secret last year and then she, and it was only announced like after the fact. And then she made, now she has like a big um, medieval kind of uh, another coming of age film. Um, Which we are definitely going to cover. Yeah. Called, no. called Birdie. Um, yes. No. Yes. Uh, we're, not, <laughs> we're not talking about anything that Lena Dunham makes. Um, I'm sorry. That's not happening. We're doing yeah. it right now, I think. Uh, we are, well, yeah. Jordan we are, uh, snuck it in. Otherwise, I just yes. would have said that I had the flu or something and we have to push <laughs> the next week. Um, but yeah, that movie, Captain Call Birdie, uh, is that tip. And I think it comes on Amazon Prime like just a few weeks later in late September. So I'm curious Excellent. to see that as well. Yeah. Um, right. Right. Yeah. Right before um, uh, Brian's number one, one most anticipated of the year, Blonde. So that those will be great. Back to back. Okay. If we're doing Blonde, we're doing Captain Call um, Fucking Birdie. Because we're I have not to doing one Catherine more fucking Birdie. Actress. <laughs> Anna to Arma. Save it for the fall roundup. No, I'm just Why kidding. would you? Yeah, um, if we're gonna watch a good movie, we should watch a totally fucking shit one to level it. Hey, out. okay, okay, wait, wait, wait. Uh, Catherine Call Birdie has not premiered yet. It could be a masterpiece. I'm just saying. Um, yeah. All right. Yeah, I could. So I could out find gold in my backyard. Like things have happened <laughs> in this world. Yeah. You are being I mean, a pill yeah. today. Le- Lena Dunham gave us Adam Driver, our, our generation's greatest actor, um, according to every director <laughs> in the world. So there you go. The whitest body that's ever lived. Yes. I thought uh, you said whitest at first. No. <laughs> he's, he's, he's also very, he's, mean, he's, very, he's very pale as he's well. Super but pale. No. He's very white across. Yes. Yeah. And he's been good um, in two movies. So, yeah. Oh, wow. All right. We need to have a separate After Dark film stage show. Uh, <laughs> slack bonus where we talk talk through all this um all right yeah so that's sharp stick uh it's on vod now as well so you can pay for it but i imagine it'll be streaming elsewhere soon but definitely i mean i i it's a curiosity and but it's very very entertaining watch um and like i said john bernthal is great so i assume there are many john bernthal fans out here um and he is it's worth saying so yeah sharp stick 
Cool. Yeah, Sounds I definitely want to see it. Let's talk. <laughs> Bill Graham, what have you, you seen? No, I uh, want to push back and say that that movie sounds interesting. I don't care if it's bad or good. The trailer actually makes it look like it's a worthwhile film, even if it sucks. Yeah. So you go, Jordan. Thank you, Robin. <laughs> um, I, I don't need Brian's valid, valid validation or lack thereof to make me feel good, but I'm glad that someone else is giving me. <laughs> giving it, uh, me. So, yeah, thank you. But it needs it from uh, somewhere. <laughs> yes. So, yes. Okay, uh, so I'm going to talk about Hustle, uh, which is a, uh, stop me if you heard this before, an Adam Sandler Netflix movie. What? Um, so this film is a, about a Philadelphia 76ers uh, talent scout that basically scours uh, everywhere but America to find talent, basically in the foreign leagues and stuff like that. Um, and he is not doing that great he keeps running up uh short with all of these players they have issues uh his common question is whether they are 22 or not how old they are and uh it gets into shenanigans from there on when uh some of them uh it very obviously lie about their age and then present a 10 year old son. And they're like, wait, what's going on here? You were how old when this child was born? Um, so, you know, there's, there's some, uh, fun things there, but really the standout is a Sandler just actually giving a performance. Um, you know, he's had some movies here and there within the last probably five to 10 years. Um, uh, what what was the Safdie brothers film? Un- uncut, uh, uncut gems. yeah, uncut gems that kind of you know, uh, un- not announced, but just kind of reminded people that when he's not making uh, vacation comedies with his buddies, that he actually can give a really really good uh you know dramatic performance as well um and he's both dramatic and hilarious in this um it's a nice kind of return in that way um but he's he's the star and then also this guy that's actually an nba player right now uh named wancho Hernan gomez hernan gomez um he plays this kind of undiscovered talent that uh adam sandler's character runs across in like a pickup basketball game just out on on the streets basically um that's gathered a crowd and he's like what the hell is this and he finds this guy that's playing in like uh in construction boots and just absolutely dominating he's he's probably like seven or six ten um so he's a fairly big uh white basketball player spanish descent and uh you know he kind of brings him back to America to try and get him his, his big lucky break. Um, he hasn't been playing in like, you know, Spanish leagues or anything like that. He's kind of just faltered in a lot of ways or, or yeah, floundered in a lot of ways and just, you know, is working construction and kind of hustles people on the court, uh, in his spare time to kind of make some extra cash. And, uh, he brings them to America and there's just a lot of interesting things that happen. Uh, if you 
are kind of a fan of the NBA, this is definitely something to watch. It's it's very star-studded and things like that. Um, ben Foster uh, and Robert Duvall are also kind of uh, pieces of this puzzle as well. Uh, ben Foster has a shaved head and a beard, and I've never thought he looked worse in his life. It is a terrible look for him. Um, I'm not sure why. He's the, he's the villain, though. He, need, he needed that. He, he is he is the villain, but he doesn't have to look that... I don't know. I guess I've never seen him bald. I've seen him close-cropped, but not like shaved. And he's shaved in this, and he's he's got a strange... Uh, strange shaped head uh he's nothing if not a committed actor (laughs) yeah uh if if he if he shaved his head and then looked at the at the mirror and was like is this what y'all want yeah okay let's do it um he's a strange dude because he was like actually super hot maybe like back in the day you know it's like a sort of nebbishy kind of hot and he's really embraced like scumbagness yeah, yeah. Hell, or high, hell or high water like yeah. yeah i don't know what happened but like he this is an attractive man who's just sort of who has made himself grizzled he played in 310 to yuma and then was just like I yeah that's not true ever shower again i mean I, I'm, yeah. well yeah the role like leave no trace he was great in that like i think the roles he's seeking yeah, are he like wasn't not the pretty that. boy no, that's what i mean like he's going after like you know the roles <laughs> that he's going for it scummy you know, roles he, he, yeah he needs to get a little grimy but uh anyways uh this film the standout again is is Wan Cho um as well but I think really there's been some some uh sports films within the last few years that kind of shy away from having the actor the main actor actually be the you know person performing the stunts or performing the sports moves uh if you want to say uh the basketball in this film is actually fantastic um they do not shy away from the fact that Wan Cho is both the actor and the performer here and then you know they they have plenty of other uh NBA stars that kind of intermingle throughout the story as well um and yeah I think I think just the way that this film is shot, um, the fun it has with kind of the training of this character to kind of, uh, you know, he's rough around the edges. He hasn't played organized basketball in quite a few years. And so he's got a lot of kind of, you know, that Rocky thing kind of going on. He's got to get himself into shape. He's got to do all this training. He's got to prove himself. And uh, I just, I found it. There's like a 45, there's like a 45 minute sequence in this movie that is literally the Rocky montage. I mean, I I like the movie too, but it's just funny that they, uh, like, yeah. And, and, and and, I mean, they, they even have him like, like, uh, climb some stairs and then, and then throw his hands up. He's, it's, it's a very kind of knowing film that this guy is not just like a dodo that's, you know, from Spain that has no idea about like, you know, world culture or anything like that. He's, he's very intelligent. He, uh, also speaks English. Like, you know, he's, he's very like, intelligent and it doesn't make him to be out to be kind of a dummy. And, uh, I appreciated that, but I also appreciated the fact that like the basketball is actually pretty fantastic in this. So, um, if that's uh, produced by LeBron James and I'm, I'm quite happy that a year after space jam, he's actually like releasing good (laughs) movies because that, that could have been 
quite a yeah quite a career yeah. to wake up but uh but yeah no very very solid movie yeah, i was i the director of this is actually jeremy zagar i don't know if you guys saw um we the animals or heard about that a few years ago um but it was like this no. small indie movie then he got this this one it was um it got it, yeah it was like got some indie spirit noms and stuff but uh, or when it won the most indie spirit noms or whatever or awards um but this is like that movie was kind of like very reductive speaking of terrence malick like kind of just stole terrence malick's thing and tried to do it and i, fe- I was happy that this one like he found kind of his own voice here um but it but yeah it's it's definitely I'm, I'm happy sandler's doing some good stuff continues to do good, good stuff this one's really good I, I i quite enjoyed it so yep. all right rumbar all right um okay so my next film is I don't know if it's like a great movie, but it's a movie that has stuck with me for a while. And I actually am sneaking it in here because it came out in the spring, but we'll just say it's a summer movie. Um, it's a movie called Aline. Aileen. I actually don't remember how to pronounce it. Um, it's a French movie that is what I would call a fake biopic of Celine Dion. Uh, it is completely a take on Celine Dion's whole entire life but about a woman named Aline Du or uh and not Celine Dion and it is one of the strangest <laughs> movies I have seen in quite a long time including its use of special effects so it basically it's it's a story of Celine Dion um not using her name but actually using some of her music which is even weirder um and it act, it does show her like at the Titanic Oscars, you know, uh, singing My Heart Will Go On or like it's featured in the movie. But yet it's this character, Aline Du. Um, and she is the 14th child of these, you know, Catholic Canadians um, who are, you know, live a sort of rural life. And she's the very unexpected final child of this couple um, who I think had her in their 40s. And she ends up, um, you know, being obviously the youngest of an enormous family and has a wonderful uh, singing voice. And so the first time that you see her sing in the film, uh, she's she's like five years old. And the actress who plays her in this scene is really not unlike. uh, Well, if anybody has seen uh, what we do in the shadows, they'll know that. Uh, Colin Robinson has kind of morphed into a child this season. And so there's like some really weird special effects with basically implanting that actor's face on a, on a smaller body. And that is in fact, what this film does is it has a 55 some odd year old woman playing a five-year-old singing, you know, very maturely at, at I think her family's wedding and is one of the most, uh, uncanny valley sequences i have seen probably since baby and net and that every, every, yeah, every, bio, every biopic should do this for now on this would just be a rule that the actor has to say yeah and and she's yeah and this movie is just so fucking strange and so of course you see this almost 60 year old woman playing celine dion quote-unquote elaine elaine do throughout her entire childhood so this woman does not you know, this woman does not change at all. It's just that she's, they implant her face on a smaller person's body and, you know, they shoot her from different angles. So it's not, you know, totally in your face. So that's the number one weird thing. I would say the number two weird thing about this movie is that Celine Dion uh, has like a fairly 
boring life compared to many other singers of her stature. Uh, she does not have drug problems. She doesn't, um, I don't know. There's not like a, you know, the wrong kid died sort of element to her life. Uh, she was gifted from a young age. You know, she got plucked from obscurity by some older manager who she does fall in love with. And that's like based on real life that Celine Dion, you know, was in her teens when she fell in love with her manager and, um, and they were together for several years before they got married. But even then that it didn't feel like that scandalous at the time. Maybe it's a little bit more scandalous today because of me too, but uh, he was not, as far as I'm aware, maybe he groomed her, but I don't know if he was an abuser in other ways. Um, So it's not like a Tina Turner thing either. And they stayed married married until he died. Um, So they were together for at least more than 20 years. And I mean, you see her go through like infertility issues. Uh, You see her, you know, go through the grind of having um, a Las Vegas residency and how kind of tough that is on on your family. Great double feature with Elvis. Yeah, exactly. I actually, I was thinking about that too, although Elvis is a lot more propulsive than (laughs) Aline, but you know, how, how do they uh, do the? Because <laughs> they don't have the rights for the music, right? How do they? Is it like covers or something? They do some. They do some. Like there are some of her like more obscure songs, and I think they do allude to the Titanic um, music in some way. I don't remember if they play the song or if they just play the the you know background track or something. But they don't shy. They don't like make up fake songs, as far as I'm aware. Like some of these are really are her real songs. And, you know, you kind of see her through the end of her husband's life and just kind of being a, a widow with two kids. And it's it's a bizarre movie. Uh, and yet it really worked in some ways in a I don't know, sometimes it's OK to just watch a biopic about somebody whose life is not that scandalous, I suppose. But the, the uncanny like if, valley really makes it work. Yeah, I feel like this is like a project for Nathan Fielder to like remake it again or something and do like just and play like, Aline do yeah yeah exactly himself I don't know just an odd movie but I enjoyed it it's so strange that this is coming out right around the same time that uh Blonde is coming out which is also kind of a famous like mm-hmm. you know novel that in all but name is about Marilyn Monroe right and right it's just like okay I mean, I don't know how they get away with this. It's it's kind of it's it's that weird, you know, I guess I don't know. What is what is fair play and what is, you know, I get I don't know. That's it's it's strange because it sounds like they actually used a lot of Celine Dion songs as well, right? Which means she theoretically had to like give sign off on it. I'm sure Celine Dion is powerful enough now that she actually has like ownership of her her music as well. She's got, isn't she in like Vegas? Like, doesn't or not anymore, not not anymore, anymore, but but for a while she was in Vegas, which kind of means that most likely she has like full ownership over her her catalog. there is like an interview I mean, she where she could um, have ownership to perform it, but she probably doesn't own the use of recordings. the songs. Yeah. She had, um, she had, I guess her manager gave an interview or something where said Celine Dion has no interest in seeing, or, or does she plan to see the movie at all? So wow, I mean, that like, sounds like she did not give sign off on this. That's, well, one of the reasons so strange. that you let something like this happen is to not give it oxygen. Exactly. Exactly. It. So yeah. you just like, it's like when that stupid, terrible fucking movie that was shot at disney world came out 
Oh yeah. Oh uh, yeah, the the Tomorrow Project or whatever. Yeah. Oh <laughs> that god, that movie sucked so bad. Um god, what if I enjoyed it. I um I remember like talking about that movie on this podcast and being like really upset about how bad it was. <laughs> because like yeah, well, I, I had like a whole thing where I was like I've been to it, Oh, escape, it is, sorry, Escape from Tomorrow is yeah, the movie. Yeah, it is strange yeah. to be in Disney World and be having like a depressive episode. Because you you almost feel like it's a form of rebellion against the engineering of this place. And this movie is like, I don't know, what if like you put him in a machine in the Epcot Dome and just like some shit happens? It's like, that's not yeah. the most interesting yeah. way to put it. Is it weird to have a depressive episode in Disney? Because I feel like, you know, have you have you all ever seen Bebe's Kids? No. By any chance? I have not. Oh my gosh. It, is that a thing? Is... Yeah. So Bebe's kid. Okay. Just bringing this up, but this is a, a film from the early 90s, um, and it, it was on HBO a lot, so I, of course, saw it. It's an animated movie about a guy who takes his new girlfriend and her ki- and her son and then her, like, trashy neighbor's kids to a Disney-like uh, park, and it's it just rips Disney World apart, like, so much so that I don't think I've ever been able to look at the park the same way even as a kid so i feel like if you if you were the type of person that wants to look at disney a little bit differently and not just like as an itchy scratchy kind of thing baby's kids is definitely uh, a disturbing animated movie that that will fulfill that for you i recommend it it's a childhood classic i'm surprised nobody's seen it I've, I've, I'm looking at the poster. I've like it sounds. It looks a little familiar, but yeah. I mean, is I could I could po- see being depressed at, at Disney World. Power to the little people. Is that what? It yeah, is? yeah. Okay. Um, because it's about these like horrible kids that destroy a Disney-like place, <laughs> and it's very cynical about you know what actually makes up a place like Disney World. Interesting. But yes. Anyway, the point was the Disney didn't give a shit about that. Yeah, <laughs> they didn't no. give it oxygen by. Like arguing that it shouldn't be released, and it's rightfully forgotten. Yep, yep. Uh, and probably right. did the same with Baby's Kids. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, um, all right. So we've been talking My for like an hour and a half. Do you all want to do one more Almost movie, done. or we could do a quick round, very quick. Yeah. Um, all right, so I'm going to do one, a film uh, executive produced by Martin Scorsese uh, called Murana. Uh, it is, I'm not going to try to pronounce the director's name because I will butcher it, but um, this movie is, uh, it takes place in Croatia on like an island, Croatian island home. Um, another coming of age story, our favorite around here. Um, <laughs> it is it is about uh, a, a young woman who, a uh, teenager who actually gets um, uh lives like by the water she you know fishes with her father she has an extremely controlling father who kind of like um you know every everything she you know he's watching every, her every move kind of thing um and then one of his old one of his family friends visits um and to my surprise which i didn't know going into it it is cliff curtis um and his sunshine heads out there will be very happy um and he there starts to become this strange um three-way triangle of sorts with uh i guess it's not a triangle but <laughs> but cliff curtis like clearly had something going on with her mother beforehand and then and now and she's kind of attracted to him as well 
And um, there's this weird dynamic where, you know, she wants to run away with him um, or she just wants to get the hell out of there and like almost kill her father because he's so controlling. Um, and there's and there's a very uh, strange uh, yeah relationship going on with all of them. Uh, but it's a very like elemental, like the physicality in this movie is amazing. Like the um, the cinematography just like puts you right in the water with them as they're um, that's kind of how they live their daily life, um, just like fishing and stuff. And um, shot by Helene Louvart, who um, speaking of Claire Denis, shot a lot of her great movies along with like Agnes Varda and Wim Wenders. Um, and yeah, there's this, it's a really super intense film, um, and really beautifully done. It's the first film um, by this director. Um, and I hope it, you know, it signals really great things. Um, and yeah, it's a very, very strong movie. So I, I it's not on VOD yet. It's, um, it was released in like early July. How oh, dare you? Soon. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's really great. And yeah, like I said, Scorsese backed it, which is another great, great, um, good job on him for kind of highlighting, you know, uh, first time filmmakers. So yeah, that's my quick marana um bite but yes go ahead move move on <laughs> uh i guess i'll talk about L- thor love and thunder here um and i will say that this film is quite quite long um it is or not quite long but too long for a Taika Waititi movie. Um, lately, he's been getting longer and longer in his films. Uh, I think his sweet spot is more than five minutes. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Uh, His sweet spot is 90 minutes. Uh, Jesus. Um, Sweet spot is six feet under the earth. (laughs) uh, Okay. Um, Anyways, if you have been following Thor, uh, he's kind of, uh, had a little bit of a renaissance since Taika Waititi uh, took over with uh, Thor Ragnarok. And uh, this one kind of brings that same kind of charm and humor. The issue is that Christian Bale is stuck in the middle of this film and he is putting on a hell of a performance. Um, I heard one description basically saying that uh, he almost is like doing what... um, what uh Heath Ledger did in uh his Batman film uh with the Joker and kind of just being like oh y- y- y'all thought that was crazy let me uh let me do this and uh he's just really really going for it uh this is adapting of a very famous Jason Aaron uh comic book run um and uh, about Gore the God Budger and it adapts it loosely <sighs> But really, Bale's performance here at the center is is kind of the star. Um, it is absolutely gorgeous at moments. There's like a a it's not necessarily black and white, but there is this kind of monochromatic sequence um, where certain elements are lighting up the screen in color. Um, it's in this piece of space that's like basically the color just doesn't doesn't roam over there doesn't travel over there um and yeah there's some absolutely stunning sequences in this um but again bale is the star kind of the heart of this film um i think the film largely works but it's definitely on Bale's shoulders and uh some of the comedy is is a little tired by this point so um but yeah that's uh thor love and thunder all right robin bar uh okay so i guess for my final movie i will forego the sea beast uh which is a movie that i, I generally thought was um you know well well animated and 
a pretty decent story and I'll go for bodies, 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 um, which is just like a pretty silly slasher movie, which is, I don't even enjoy slasher movies. It's my least favorite horror genre. And I just had a good time because it has a fun cast of Gen Z actors, including um, people like uh, Rachel Senat, who I thought I think is great, and uh, Maria Bakalova, who yeah just got an Oscar nomination about a year ago uh, for for the Borat sequel. Um, and actually, I think Rachel Senat, who from Shiva Baby, is is probably the best cast member here. Um, Pete Davidson is in it, and I know that he is a uh, divisive actor but he's somebody that i enjoy uh and i think is funny so i just had a good time at this really silly movie i didn't know what was going on um you know it's not a movie that's like that easily telegraphed about you know who who is this killer etc so it's about these uh a group of you know bratty gen z stereotypes um who are all who are all very wealthy and they come together um for a weekend party and then there's a hurricane and you know, with a hurricane, uh, hijinks ensue and the house goes dark and then somebody ends up dying and then another person ends up dying. And you just kind of don't know, like you've truly to the end, you have no idea like who you can trust or can't trust. And this is how does like a, a fun ensemble. It's not like a perfect movie by any means. Um, but it, you know, I had a good time. It has a fun soundtrack. Um, it just has a sort of, I don't know, cr- glow in the dark kind of feel to it um i don't know how else you would describe it it's just like a a dumb party movie but obviously with a with bloody elements to it and yeah i had a good time how does how does lee pace do in this i'm i I don't know it's a a fun cameo that's like the as far as i will go it is like I'm trying to think to Lee Pace's background. I'm not that familiar. I know he kind of, he and uh, his co-star were kind of the breakouts of, um, what was that AMC show that was on for like three seasons? Um, Um, Yeah. Yeah. Halt and Catch Fire, which, you know, I think everybody or the three main leads from that have kind of spot or the two main leads from that, uh, RAP, the other, yeah. Scoot's not really, I mean, you know, he's, he's doing fine for himself, I guess. Nobody knows Scoot. That's <laughs> yeah. He's a he's a. I know that guy's face. Um, I may not know his name, but Lee yeah. Pace has a sort of elven face. Uh, well, he kind of makes it, sense. He played he, an elf. Didn't he play an elf? Yeah, yeah. he played an elf. He's in Lord of the Rings, right? Oh, I yeah. um, Hobbit. He yeah. some fucking oh the Hobbit fucking person a. in a thing in a in a Marvel shitstorm. He's in Guardians. Oh yeah, he's Guardians. Yeah, but um, yeah, he, he's, he's he's under the, full prosthetic yeah. makeup in that. He's amazing. The Fall. I don't know. Have you guys seen Tarsum's The Fall? Amazing. Uh, movie. I have not. No. Oh, Brian, uh, you, would, you would love it. If you I keep I think meaning I've seen to, it. but it just never happens. I've yeah, seen Immortals. I want to say he's not like he's a nothing bo- in this. I've it's it's a immortals. funny performance, but. <laughs> okay. But I, I mean, is he some, like, does he have any comedic background? That's what I was kind of getting at. Like, he I don't was know. on um, The Pushing, Pushing Daisies. Daisies. Yeah. Uh, well, was that, like that one's comic. that one's yeah, that one's just like darkly comic, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think well, I mean, this is pretty said. darkly comic, I would say. This this film, um, okay. he, you know, he's fun in it, but like he's not the person that was making me laugh the most was for sure Rachel Sennett. Um, I think Amanda uh, Amanda Sen- Stenberg's in it, although it's not a very funny performance. It's a it's a much more grounded performance. Um, yeah, it just has like a a I would say a nice ensemble that works well for exactly what it is. 
I have Brian, How, I'm allowed to, am I allowed to do one more? I have another A24 movie. Well, I was I was <laughs> gonna ask, you know, I've heard rumors. Is it true that there's a lot of tits in that movie? <laughs> no, and like I think uh I didn't want to get into that whole thing. Uh I did not notice anybody's cleavage. I will say that. <laughs> That's crazy because all I've heard about that movie is that there's boobs in it and people are upset about it. Uh, it's not it's, quite it's, what's yeah, going on. Is that, what, is that the information you get from TikTok? The, no. So I'm. It's what's funny is that I'm not getting this information from TikTok. I'm getting it off of Twitter, which yeah. founded initially on TikTok, and I just I am I am I am so on the outside. This is one of those things I haven't even had like the and, energy and to chase actually, the rabbit hole. Actually, if you want to get deeper, it, it came from an Instagram DM. But yes, go ahead. No yes, worries. yeah, because um, it was like, but the DM was exposed on TikTok, wasn't it? Yeah, something, yeah. something like that. If I think it, it was stayed Twitter, in the DMs. Everything would be cool and chill, yeah. but it, it, um, it did not. Um, look it up. Okay, so we can, yeah. yeah maybe the sequel to Bodies, it, Bodies, but... Bodies should be about this situation. Like, titties, need, titties, titties. Yeah, I need a mank. <laughs> no, it should be boobies, boobies, boobies. First of all, it it should, and it should Nailed be like it. a mank Nailed style. Like oh, the behind the scenes of what happened here. <laughs> is is this a spinoff? Time. Is is this a backdoor pilot for uh, Robin's Orbs podcast? <laughs> yes. Yeah, okay. it's crazy that bodies, bodies, bodies didn't have an orb report. Given it, how, it, because how there's the just nothing. Nothing. We gotta to, we gotta go back and do here. it for every film now. Okay, no, I'm just kidding. Um, I watched but, Mash today, and that was much more interesting for the Orb Report. So, the movie or the TV so, show? The movie. Okay. Yeah, I watched all of Mash today. <laughs> you could have said like, "Oh, I watched Mash," but it was just like Hallmark Channel, like a four-hour marathon. You just depression well, binged some Mash, you know. S- speaking of older older shows, uh, I watched The Long Night uh, from Game of Thrones this morning, oh. like unexpectedly. I was uh, messing with some. <laughs> I was messing. If you let me explain, what? What do you? What do you mean? Watched an episode of Game. Well, because what I was doing was I was messing with my TV settings, and that uh, that episode in particular is famous for like people being like, "I couldn't see anything. This is shit." And uh, so that's what I used to mess with my TV settings uh, for the upcoming uh, series, House of the Dragon. Um, and Excuse so I was me. like, "Say say its actual name, which is Hot D." <laughs> Hot D, yes. I love that uh, George R. R. Martin has also uh, embraced that acronym. Or is it acronym? What, what is, yeah, that's an acronym. Is when, Everyone is, an acronym? is looking okay. forward to Hot D. <laughs> Anyways, um, so I, I was sitting down to kind of mess with some TV settings, and then my wife sat down, and she was like, oh, you're... you're like doing a little rewatch. I was like, nah, I'm messing with the TV settings and this is the one I chose. And then we just kept it on because it was fucking good. That that episode is really fucking good. Is that it's the one great. that's the one with the wall, right? And the, the people defending it? No. That would be I think the Night's Watch uh episode. That that happens in like season three or something like that. This is uh season eight. It's uh one of the it's basically the White Walkers are uh invading uh the the oh, north it's the um, one, it's the, castle. It's the one where they finally kill the Night King, right? Correct. Uh yeah, spoilers for a show that ended 
five years ago, six right. years it ago. Ended Jesus Christ! Many years ago, and everyone was very happy with how it ended. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is one of the famous like last great episodes of Thrones. Like people no, were like, people, "Holy fuck!" Fucking hated the entire like eighth season, didn't they? Like they hated that episode. No. They hated. No, people loved this episode. They just bitched because they couldn't see anything, which kind know. of yeah. yeah. I, I don't okay. have the energy. Uh, right. to find consult, right. TikTok. consult TikTok. Consult yeah. TikTok. I don't think TikTok <laughs> knows what Game of Thrones is, Bill. Like, exactly. He's yeah. very young and very, well, I was going to say very nerdy, but it's mostly like Star Wars nerds. Mm, I think that's just your algorithm, dude. That's possible. I feel like every, yeah, there's all different. My algorithm spectrums. is mostly um, woodworking, stop motion <laughs> animation. Nice. And oddly enough, like weird interpersonal beefs that just cross over into everything. Nice. Uh, all right. I can I do one more. A twenty four has been very over. That's that's why you wanted episode. to move on from the TV. Well, yeah. I will, Brian, trying to wind <laughs> get it, it in there. A few more. Get it okay, in there. So I, I will Go. say. Well, there's there's one movie. So um, I know Brian, you saw this. Max Silverman Walker's A Love Song is quite good. I'll give a shout out there. I think you saw that at Sunday. Yeah, Sorry, West Duty and uh, Dale Dickey. Uh, Dale Dickey. Yeah, yeah, very good. Very good drama. Um, As a person and then, who has reconnected wait, wait, wait. with previous people, like romantic interests from my life, it uh, it, it spoke to me in a way. Wes Studi? Yeah. 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 He's great in it. <laughs> um, what is and the then fuck all- is so funny about that? Oh, I I, I didn't realize yeah. that was the Dale, thing. I mean, Dale Dick is more the lead of it, but he's he pops up and he's great. Um, and it's then, like a two-hander uh, between the two of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like waiting um, then, for it's waiting for Godot, but actually Godot shows up, so it's not yeah, waiting for Godot. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I really loved um, Arnaud Desplechen's Philip Roth adaptation, Deception, starring Leia Sadu. Um, that's on. You already movie talked now, about actually. this one, didn't you? Oh no, no I, I did not. Yeah, <laughs> but addiction. No, I told you, terrible title. Different, different title, but um, very great. Uh, this is the it, this it, is what the is, one. What is Leia? Jewish lesbians. Is is she no. French or is she Italian? What, what is French? It, oh, yeah. So there's another French actress. What do you know? There you go. There you go. <laughs> um, and then I'll give a quick shout out. Michelangelo Framentino's um, El Buku, which is a uh, cave diving movie that uh, is very interesting. Um, not a documentary. He recreated a cave diving expedition from the 1960s in Southern Italy. And uh, it is very interesting. Um, and then my last like fully fledged thing, which I will be very short on, is another A24 movie coming out this Friday. Owen Klein, who... Um, uh, when he was 13 year old, 13 years old, he was uh, one of the actors in The Squid and the Whale, uh, Jesse Eisenberg's younger brother, um, and now and Kevin Klein's son as well um, in real life. Um, and now he's made his directorial debut with a movie called Funny Pages, um, which um, produced by the Safties, shot by Sean Price Williams, who did Good Time. Um, and this follows like a teenage cartoonist who um, lives in like suburban suburbia, New Jersey, who like has a fine life and would be fine, but decides to like uh, pursue his artistic dreams and um, goes to this insanely grimy area of New Jersey and live in an apartment that is like uh, with these like weirdos. Um, And it's, it's very, very funny and strange. And um, it has that Safdie's kind of touch with, it feels like characters that could just be plucked from like the streets and it's clearly, you know, but they are actors. There's one, there's a great actor in here that you guys might recognize. um, I won't spoil his appearance, Um, but yeah, very fun movie. I think it comes out on VOD and um, and theaters this Friday. So uh, it feels like it's kind of going under the radar, but highly recommend. What's the film called again? Funny Pages. Uh, it was mm-hmm. at Cannes this year and then comes out. Uh, it's one of those like, you know, another coming of age movie, but um, 
kind of grimy but fun but uh yeah Definitely Has anyone it. heard about uh, this Princess Diana documentary that just came yes. out? Yes, yeah, I saw that at Sundance. Um, okay. It's interesting. Yeah, it takes. I really did not like Spencer at all, um, so I was glad to see oh. something that was. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry, um, but I uh, like so the was, Crown season four a lot better than Spencer. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is all 100 archival footage, and um, it kind of like um, uses like how much the media was obsessed with her to like. Um, tell mm-hmm. it all in like an archival way so um kind of like um you know that Amy documenting yeah kind of yeah. like that um but it's and like when the scene when she dies is really interesting because they do something very unexpected that i won't who's, spoil. who's um, the who's the director of that is is it is it the amy guy no 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 this is um At, is is it asgar for hottie not no that Oscar Brady is not the uh, Amy guy. Amy guy at all. Uh, very wrong. No, um, Asif Kapadia. Yeah, yeah Asif right. Kapadia is that. And then this guy. Um, yeah, I don't. He's never made anything that I've known as well. Something Perkins, I believe his name is. Um, but yeah, it's yeah, it's on HBO Max now. It's it's not great because if I mean I guess if you didn't see any footage, Ed, Ed Perkins is his name. But yeah, if you didn't see any footage of her life before uh, or like weren't alive at that time. I think it would be much more interesting, but like, um, but yeah. I wonder why there's, there's so, I mean, obviously the crown started this and then, and then now there's Spencer. There, there was, wasn't there one a couple of years ago with like my week with the princess or something like that? No, no. Um, my weekend with Marilyn, Marilyn. So that's, that's no, 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 no. There's one about, uh, I thought, was it Diana? It's it's a, another royal uh, princess. I'm pretty sure. Maybe maybe it's uh, the the queen's sister. Um, but there's one where there was like oh, not the Naomi two Watts. Girls? There was Na- Naomi Watts played uh, 2013. No, but that- I, are you thinking of the of the one where it's like queen elizabeth or before she was queen princess elizabeth and princess margaret go out for an evening after d-day no like after the okay because that's no I'm, I'm thinking i'm thinking of there is this romance uh like semi uh historical fiction kind of thing uh that surrounds one of the royals and mm. it's about like this love affair i think with like a doctor um and it's kind of very hush hush and behind the Wait, scenes. Wait, are you talking about stuff. a royal affair? This came out like maybe five years ago, six years ago. Because that's set in the kingdom of Denmark and about a queen who falls in love with the king's doctor. No, I'm pretty sure this was uh, British royalty. Uh, anyways, so there's been the crown, obviously, and then there's uh, Spencer, and now there's this Princess Diana documentary. And there was Diana the musical. <laughs> okay, um, like what is what is going on with with Princess Diana specifically? I, I wonder what twenty five year mean, anniversary of her death. Yeah, but yeah, I mean years ago, yeah. I mean, it's, I, I feel like I it's know. like that. It's, it, it's like enough time has passed now that people feel like they could take, you know, like have a mm-hmm. different take on it, I guess. And yeah. Uh, I mean, out of the ones that have been released, I would say this is more interesting because you at least get like a very factual look at what happened. Uh, but yeah, um, I don't know. I don't know. I've made a lot of jokes about the though. Jewish lesbian movie, and I'd just like to say the name of that movie is <laughs> Disobedience. Yes, yes. Same shit. 
Um, an addiction. Deception. I feel like every. So what? Yeah. So ra- wrapping up, what do you like this summer? As we look back, it, it was mostly a dud. What do you guys think? Yeah, it was not a great summer. Yeah, there, there was there like, plenty of okay movies. I mean, yeah, yeah. I liked. Like, I we've talked about the ones I really loved, which was Elvis. We talked about uh, Crimes yeah. of the Future, which I enjoyed. Like we've, we've covered yeah. a lot of good ones. I like. I was looking back. I covered Prey. Like, the the stuff that we've reviewed and i don't know when we want to say summer starts i would assume it's sometime in june right May. I, like I, june always say, first, I think of- i actually always say may first because that's like the blockbuster start oh yeah. okay uh that doesn't add anything <laughs> <laughs> your favorite movie the 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 top gun maverick uh the the highest grocer I, uh, I didn't like Top Gun Maverick that much. I, I know. Like, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Enjoyed it. But like, you know, like, uh, like Ambulance was in April. Yeah. Yeah. Nitrum was in April. Deepwater was in March. The Northman was yeah. in April. Like, I mean, you, I will say, Brian, you're terrible. You, yeah. Your I'm theory of bad. It is definitely like those early months that. It, the movies that the studios are scared about, I'm not sure what to do with that are usually the more interesting ones do come out. And the same thing, like we're getting into that way. I feel like sometimes August, even September, like blonde is clearly a movie that they think won't probably get Oscar love. So they're going to, and it's just weird and strange. So that's why I'm looking forward to it. But yeah, it is. It, those are sweet spots. I will say uh, for the most part. Uh, yeah. But yeah. To, like, even stuff like, like, and even how people like, um, like I know Top Gun, you didn't love, but like the fact that that has, far and away beat any marvel movie and elvis like being in the top 10 grossing of the year all these people are like going out to see the movies that are more interesting which is nice indeed yeah i just like movies making money if it's sonic 2 i'm fine with that <laughs> yes yeah uh, i think uh i just looked it up um i guess it's diana is the, the one with uh Naomi Watts. yeah and naveen right. uh that was like a decade ago. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I think this came out in 2014. Oh, Jesus Christ. Bill, that's, that's eight years ago. That's eight years that's, ago. It, it, technically, it premiered in 2013. So it's almost, yeah, yeah, we're a few months away from it being 10 years ago. <laughs> Is this the one that went straight to Lifetime? No, I'm thinking of Grace of Monaco. Yeah. No, this one also got, this was, a, I believe, a Weinstein thing. Who that played got, her? Who played well. Grace? Uh, it was Nicole Kidman, wasn't it? Yeah. Yep. God. Oh man, this was Olivier Oliver Hirschberg. Yep. Yeah. Hirsch, the the Taurus Hirschbeagle. Yeah, Hirschbeagle. Yeah. yeah. He did Downfall, and then his. Oh, no, not his... not the Taurus. No, he did uh, the Invasion. That was like a huge bomb. Yeah. Yeah. His. I was about to say his his career is not the best. The one you're yeah. thinking of is, I think, Florian. Henkel von Donnersmark, um, right? Who yes, did the that, others. <laughs> yes, yes. I pulled that one out the, without the, even looking the, him up. Yeah, so. that, I was. I am impressed. The other German director who has had an unfortunate bout with Hollywood. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> All right, man. Movies. All right. Let's let's get out of the here. Movies now more than ever. Um, what 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 is your number one most anticipated of the fall? Oh shit! Uh, I honestly have no idea what's coming out. <laughs> Mm, uh, i'm really looking forward to corsage i saw that last week it's quite good oh good um, todd field has his first movie in 16 years the guy who did little children and in the bedroom Tar. what i just came across that i i found 
I actually, wait, I, 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 oh, go ahead. I know Brian's without even looking. I, Brian, I can tell you what it is and you can tell me if I'm wrong. Okay? Uh, I'm, I'm looking up. I'm trying to see if I can I find guarantee, this, like, a list. I guarantee your most anticipated is the In Bruges reunion, right? Uh, I was actually going to say maybe Glass Onion if it comes out in theaters. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That might be it. Who's doing that? That's, that's Ryan, Ryan Johnson. Johnson. It's the next. Knives out. Oh, uh, right, right, right. I was wondering why that sounded familiar. Oh, nice. Uh, well, I, that's I, on I, Netflix. The hopes are too high for that one. I'm yeah. skeptical. Clark, the problem Clark is that Jan it's coming straight Netflix. to Netflix, so it's I don't have a lot of... Yeah. Okay, apparently, I think this is another Netflix one, but there's something called Wendell and Wild that... Oh, yeah, Henry Selleck. Henry Selleck might finally make another fucking movie. It's oh, it's nice. done. It's premiering at TIFF. It's definitely yeah, but happening. isn't yeah. like the graveyard book also done? But he's just such an asshole that like no <laughs> oh shit. It. Wait, I think they, what? Netflix he, has he made this, it. Well, Netflix is saying this movie Wendell and Wild is coming out in October. I think it's hundred percent done okay. and ready. Yeah, I so uh, I had heard something about like Henry Selleck was doing like the graveyard book, and like it was just such a nightmare to work with him that it's like almost done, but they all just stopped. But I have no sources for that, so don't please no one write that up like it's real. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no the the Banshees of Insurance, the In Bruges reunion is I'm excited for it. I can't. I'm excited for Park Chan. I'm, I'm a fan of a difficult to say name. Oh, yeah. So that's Park Chan. White noise. I'm looking forward to white noise. Yep. Catherine uh, Colberti. I'm definitely looking forward to. I guess blonde. Sarah. Sarah Polly, Barbie, although that's next summer. No, that's next year. Yeah, Bones and uh, All, the Luca Guadagnino's so, Cannibal movie. Not, no. So Brian how Cameron the fuck did Steven uh, Spielberg? Sorry, go ahead. Can, can y'all hear me? Yes, yes, yes. yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> Keep barreling over me, Jordan. Um, uh, movies, slam. Yeah. Um, so has anyone heard about this film called Pearl, which is, I guess, a yes. origin story yeah. for X? How the fuck did Ty West? Like, what the fuck is going on? He's got two feature-length movies, like within three months of each other. Well, it it was it. They shot the movie during um, sure during the production of X, based on the character, I believe, or like back to back. Oh, is yeah. yeah sorry, yeah, they shot it directly after X. Um, I yeah, I mean, I I hated X, but uh, but. Um, I mean, I the, she was the most interesting character, so I guess I'm more curious. I've only seen but. one Ty West movie, and I loved it, but I like haven't seen House it. of the Devil. Yep. Okay, so you didn't see? Is it the Innkeepers? Right. I didn't see What's the, the Innkeepers. One? I didn't see the Sacrament. I didn't see X. I didn't see. I've heard in the Valley of good things about. I can name uh, this person's yeah. entire fucking filmography, and I've only seen one of them. <laughs> hmm. House of the Devil's fantastic, though. I really enjoyed that. Guy, oh yeah, the other movie, the guy who made the father, Florian Zeller, has the son. So there we go, November eleventh. Um, and actually, Armageddon I'm really. Time. I was gonna say Armageddon time. I cannot wait for. What is Armageddon um, time? James Gray's uh, long in the works uh, autobiographical movie. Oh, the Fablemans. Growing up in Queens. Um, the Fablemans. What about, I cannot uh, wait for, Yeah. What about that uh, Olivia Wilde movie? Too. Oh, oh yeah, way of darling. water, baby. Uh, what? Weren't we just talking about something? We're like, I can't. I feel like I saw a trailer for that movie that made me less interested in it, and I can't remember. Yeah, what. they kind of reveal everything, but uh, yeah, what yeah, trailer? They, they do that for, with for a don't lot worry, of the, baby. Oh, that looks like worry, you saw the whole yeah. movie just from the trailer. Wait, yeah. is it Don't Worry, Darling? Don't yeah. worry, darling. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I for whatever reason I thought it was the Beach Boys song. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. There's a bunch of movies of. 
that will probably be widely talked about of directors that I didn't love their last movie that much, but like um, Babylon, the Damon Chazelle's La La Land follow-up. Um, and then Amsterdam. David wait, 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 wait. Oh, which wait. is based on like the book of lies. La La Land. That one guy, what, right? what about, what about the, uh, that oh, sorry, first movie. man. You're right. First man. Totally skipped <laughs> it. Was... I really liked first man too. Yeah. No, I liked it. It's terrible. Man. So it's normal to forget um, about it. And then uh, Inaritu has his has his the Revenant follow up, ah, uh, uh, Barbell, which I don't know, I don't know about that. We'll yeah, see. I mean the Revenant was dog shit. So I loved that movie. Um, that but movie was Dan Aron- fucking terrible. Yeah, he Dan just Aron- likes Aron- saying that movie's name. And um, Revenant. And we have Brendan Fraser, uh, hopeful Oscar win with the Whale. So we'll see. Mm, I am looking we'll forward see. to the Whale. Uh, is that coming out this year? They haven't confirmed, but I'd be shocked <laughs> if it doesn't. Um, just because it it feels like that's like their. Oscar play, A24. Or it's in giant uh, embarrassment because of the prosthetics. Dalek 4 coming out this year? No, next, no that's in next March. Year. Yeah. Um, there's an amazing doc called uh, All That Breeze that I saw at Sundance that's coming out. Oh, there, oh, actually, there's a really great horror film called Speak No Evil that's coming to Shudder um, on September 9th. So, um, anyways, there's a lot. I only know that I only I only am calling all these out because I'm working on our fall preview, so I have an entire list in front of me. Uh, but yeah, it's right. let's get good. the fuck out of here. Let's do it. Thank you guys for having me. Thanks for the invite. AKA, I told you I was coming on. <laughs> I thought it was a good idea. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Was it we decided Brian, we were going to talk about the movie that came out this week? We, yeah. <laughs> was it uh, was it as painful as you expected, Brian? Uh, no, I was on my phone a lot. So. Oh, perfect. Okay, good. <laughs> See, th- you didn't have to be in, in, so invested in the conversations. Chime in when you wanted to, which is a good late summer. Uh, yeah, late summer thing. Yes. Um, well, I hope everyone has a great rest of your summer. Cannot wait to listen to your next Idris Elba discussion. Yes. Uh, <laughs> speaking of, Robin, what are we talking about next week? I think we're doing 3,000 years of longing. <laughs> oh, is, there, we are. is there literally any way I can make us not do that? Like money? Would money convince you people? Come on, George. Oh, my gosh. The next movie from George Miller. Come on, Brian. Let's go. Yeah, I've seen it. It's Happy entertaining. Feet. Happy even, Feet 2. Even if you, even if you hate it. City. Both good movies. Uh, if Even if you hate uh, like the movie, I think you will be happy you saw it. Because it's, I, it's a, this I don't is how know. you keep getting me to watch fucking Alex Ross Perry films, and I just he has like, not made a movie in five years, so you should be. I've won. <laughs> you, you beat him. Yes. I now, now you're gonna go up against George him. Miller. Yeah, I feel like I have less chance of coming out on top of that one. <laughs> um, right. Let's wrap it up. Yes. So we're talking about apparently three thousand years of longing. Look forward to that. Yeah. Um, Wide release. Yes. Yay. Well, and uh, but so, yeah, before that, uh, let's talk about the fact that we can uh, be supported by going to mubi.com slash film stage, a free 30 day trial subscription to Mubi. Uh, do that. Also, don't forget to go to patreon.com slash film stage show to give us your money. And that's it. Um, <laughs> let's tell the fine people at home where you can be found between now and the next time. Let's start with our guest, Benevolent Lord and Master Jordan Raup. Where can people find your stuff hello. online? Hello, hello. Yes, uh, JP Raup on Twitter. Um, and yeah, I'll be, I also work for Film at Lincoln Center. And so we're putting on the New York Film Festival, 60th edition. So come by, come say hi to me, September 30th through October 16th. A lot of good movies. 
All right. Bill Graham. Uh, you can find me watching Hot D on Instagram <laughs> at Billstagram. Uh, you can I didn't also find you me. Could show that on Instagram. I thought you. Oh yeah, I'll be live. Oh, you'd be live surprised. viewing it. Um, and you can also find me. Hopefully, they don't remove it from uh, HBO Max tomorrow. Um, uh, you can also find me on uh, the Slack channel, always mixing it up, and then on Instagram at Billstagram. All did right, I already say um, that, or I did I say know. Twitter? I don't know. Who who knows? Who cares? I don't tweet that much. You watching Hot D on Billstagram on Instagram? Okay, so I think so. Okay, there we go. Anyway. Bill's Hot D, find it <laughs> online. <laughs> Quite the hug right there. Yeah. All right, Robin Barr. Uh, as always, you can find me at R O B Y N B A H R on at Twitter. Just my name. Uh, also a letterbox and you can sometimes find my writing at the hollywood reporter all right as for me uh i can be found at my personal site brianjerone.com of course you can also learn more about my whiskey production at inkwellwhiskey.com and uh yeah you can find my writing and uh every episode of this show at thefilmstage.com so ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for joining us and tune in next time Your ma is good looking